This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. The Pope and Young Club wants to welcome you as we rally together to ensure our bow hunting opportunities for today and tomorrow. You've come to the podcast that believes in preserving, protecting, and promoting the passion for bow hunting. Join us as we strive to be the voice of today's bow hunter. This is the Pope and Young Podcast. All right, guys. Thank you for joining us on Pope and Young Podcast. I'm Dylan Ray, and joining me is the usual host, but today my co-host, Jason Roundsville. Jason, how are you, man? Doing great. Glad to be here. And we have a very special guest, Mr. Nick Munt. Nick, how are you? I'm doing great. Doing great. Thanks for having me, guys. Nick, not that you need much of an introduction, man. Uh, You are a co-host of Bone Collector. Um, You know, most people, uh, you'd be a household name. Uh, Most most. Most old rednecks driving down the road got a bone collector sticker on the back of their pickup. Uh, but, man, give us a quick introduction to yourself, uh, kind of how you got to where you're at and what all you do now. Well, the shortened version is, um, I guess, the, the way I got into the industry, um, I'm a barber by trade. And um, I was working in the barbershop in my hometown. And I guess, long story short, I uh, some of my buddies were hunting in Alaska, or uh, they were on a ran a fishing operation in Alaska, a commercial fishing operation. So I kind of quit working at my hometown barbershop and went and worked with them. And then when I got back, uh, the guy that I'd been working with in the barbershop had hired somebody. So I kind of went out looking for some, some other work. And there was a gal that had a barbershop, um, in one of the neighboring towns on the Wyoming side of the lion. I was from South Dakota and uh, her husband happened to be an outfitter. So um, just after talking and showing him a bunch of my pictures and stuff, he asked me if I'd consider coming to guide for him. And he was also working with Jeff Smith and Deb Smith at seven J outfitters. And so I met the Smiths, started guiding for them. Um, and then after guiding there for several years, we guided uh, whitetail mule deer, antelope, 
turkeys and elk. Um, the guys from Realtree had heard about us and uh, they wanted to come and, and do a TV show. So um, I was guiding David Blanton and that very first day at lunchtime, you know, you got a lot of time in between morning and evening sits there for whitetails in September. So I uh, busted out my video camera and showed him a bunch of the footage that I had taken over the last couple of years with uh, all the kids from 7J, uh, videoed most of their first deer and their first turkey hunts. And uh, David was uh, pretty impressed with, with my camera work and asked me if I would consider coming to work for them at Realtree. And so, um, so I did that. And um, after doing that for about nine years, of course, this is the shortened story. Um, you know, I met Michael. I met Michael uh, shortly thereafter. Um, he came and, and did uh, his first Miriam's turkey hunt with us at 7J, and we killed a bird, and he and I just hit it off. And uh, so we just became really close friends over the course of the next nine years working at Realtree. And um, then, you know, then when he started to do uh, the road trip show, I was able to go along with him on a bunch of trips, and I ran camera for whatever guest he would have along, and then um, kind of the main cameraman, he would, he would video us screwing around in camp and catching kind of the, the camp life and everything. And so that's kind of where, where it all kind of took off from. Um, we kind of changed the way outdoor TV was filmed and, and, um, you know, then after being you know together for so many years, we just decided to branch out on our own and start bone collector. And you now that's kind of the quick, quick version of how it all came to be. And so now we're in our 13th season of bone collector and, um, we've got, uh, just a, a great line of products that, that we've licensed and, um, you know, things are going well and we just enjoy the hunting and outdoor lifestyle. And, and our job we feel like is to get as many people involved in hunting as possible. And, um, you know, we don't feel like our job is to kill big deer, or big elk. That's what we want to do. But, you know, we feel like our job is to get, you know, as many people, new hunters involved, ladies and people who have never hunted before and try to try to increase license sales. So that's kind of where we're at with bone collector and, it's been a long, it's been a long road, but it's been a lot of fun. And, and, uh, I just have never really felt like I've had to go to work because I just love what I do and I love hunting and I love being outside. And, you know, it's just, uh, it's been a great ride so far. Hopefully we can keep doing it for a while. So that's kind of the shortened version. <laughs> you know, that's not a bad version. Nice, nice way to get where you want to be right there. Yeah. It's been, it's been quite a trip and, you know, we've uh, we've just had a lot of fun, had an opportunity to hunt some really great places and meet some really wonderful people. So it's all been it's all been um, downhill, so to speak. You know, we haven't we haven't uh, had a day where we actually feel like we have to go to work. That's good. And you talked about people and places. If you had to pick one place, where is your one magical place that you'd go hunt? Oh my gosh. Seven J Outfitters. <laughs> That's really tough. Seven J is a great is a great place, but there's just so many good places, you know. Um I think if I had to pick one if I had to pick one place, one state, you know, it, it would probably be well, it'd be one of two. It'd probably be Texas or Alaska just because there's so many species to chase, you know. My home state of South Dakota is loaded with animals. We've got whitetail, mule deer, antelope, turkeys. Uh, bighorn sheep, mountain goats, elk. Uh, we've got all the upland birds, all the waterfowl, um, unbelievable fishing. So South Dakota is a great place, but Texas, you've got all that plus about 10 more species and in, in Alaska, you know, you got a lot of stuff too. So it's tough for me to pick a spot. I don't know. I don't think I can do it to be honest with you. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's still, I, it, you still want to ask the question just so people can squirm a little bit thinking about it. 
Yeah, yeah, and it's a it's a tough one. Like I say, whatever season's going on at the time is the one I love. So <laughs> that's how it is for yeah. me. Yeah, you know, you, you you mentioned yeah. you mentioned great people um, in the industry along the way, and you know I. I'm just going to plug him real quick. You mentioned David Blanton and I believe that David does it does it so incredibly well. Um he he carries himself in, in a way that you know is so inviting to people in the outdoor industry and, and and if I had to say one person who I think just absolutely kills it it would be David Blanton. Yeah, well first of all, you know, first and foremost and he'll he'll tell you this himself but David's David's number one passion and, and his number one obligation is to God. So um, you know, David, David follows, follows the book and, and he lives his life, you know, in God's shadow. And, um, that's one thing that, that, um, sets David apart from, from other people is, is his faith in God and, and how it seriously and, re- and truly affects his daily life. And so, um, from, from that standpoint, as a man and as a family man and as a dad and, and as a, as a friend, you know, David, David Blanton is, uh, somebody that people can model their existence after and, and it's all due to the Lord, you know? So, um, and then when it comes to, to being a hunter, you know, he's a great hunter. He gets it done. He's a great shot. Um, he knows how to put scenarios together and whether he's whitetail hunting or elk hunting or whatever it may be, you know, he's able to, to come up with a plan to get the job done. And then when it boils down to the moment of truth, he executes. And so, you know, that's to me, um, from the hunting standpoint of things, that's what sets, um, successful hunters apart from, um, guys that have a lot, a lot of passion with it and, um, don't quite always get the job done. Uh, the guys that can consistently hold their nerve together, put themselves in the position and then execute the shots are the guys that are, you know, that top 10%. And I think David Blanton's definitely, um, in that top 10%. And, and, uh, he's had some great opportunities over the years, you know, um, at Realtree and, and gets to hunt some great places, of course. Um, but just the man that he is, um, as a whole is, uh, something, something that people really should look up to. And he's a great role model. So, you know, one time I, uh, I was, I was recording with him and I introduced him as David Blanton, the only guy in the world that can make you want to pray and drink a mellow yellow at the same time. <laughs> and, uh, he got a kick out of that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He's, he's just a great guy. He's been a, a mentor of mine since day one. Um, when we met, you know, all those years ago at seven G outfitters and, um, you know, I've been, I've been loyal to Realtree and I've, I've bled Realtree, you know, since before they ever came hunting with us. And, um, he's just a, a wonderful man and a, a, a man of God and, and a great family man and a good boss and a, just a great person all the way around. So, man, that's a pretty good Testament right there. Yeah. It is. Yeah. You don't find, you don't find better people. That's for sure. That's fantastic. And so what was the last hunt you got to do with him? You know, we were in camp together this year, uh, this past year in Wyoming at 7J Outfitters. It was, uh, I hadn't hunt, I hadn't had the opportunity to hunt there in a while. And, um, you know, the guys at 7J Outfitters, Jeff and Deb and all their kids, Michael is their oldest boy. And he's, he kind of is, is, you know, he'll take over that place eventually someday. But, um, I kind of have an open door there. They, they allow me to come and hunt and film shows and, and, uh, they've just been real gracious to me over the years. And I sent them a lot of hunters. And so we have a great relationship, but this past year 
David always has the first week of the season and he brings in partners and, and, uh, sponsors and stuff like that. And, um, some other TV shows and, and stuff. And so I went out there this year and I was able to take my family along. So I brought uh, the three kids and my wife and, and a good friend of mine, um, owns a couple of, um, um, like camper dealerships, um, RV dealerships. And so he, he loaned me a brand new RV to take out there, um, a, a pull behind. And, um, so we went out there and we stayed and, and hunted and I was able to shoot a, my biggest Wyoming buck ever. He's 150 inch, just a big, heavy, really nice buck. And, uh, David Blanton shot a buck with a drop tine and another one of our friends, Tony, he shot a 160 inch buck and a couple of the duck commander guys were there and they shot some nice deer. And so it was just a great week. We had a, a lot of time to, you know, visit and, and David brought his wife, Lisa. And so it was just a really a fun week in camp. And he kind of got to see how crazy our lives are with these kids and, you know, we shot squirrels with the gamo and, and, uh, did a lot of shooting with the bows and we just had a really nice time out there in Wyoming. You know, it's a nice time of year, September, early September is real, you know, the weather's real nice. Um, so it was just this past year and geez, we just had an unbelievable trip. It was a great five days in camp together. Oh, that's great. And anything coming up where you guys are going to go get to run after it again? You know, we don't have any plans yet, but we're, we always talk about doing something together every year. So hopefully this year we'll get together um, and get something done. We've got a lot of opportunities to do it. So I look forward to hunting with him though. He's just a blast to be around. He's always up tempo and, you know, it's not always, you, know, you see the TV shows and it's just kind of action, action, action. And then, you know, typically if you're seeing a, sh- a TV show, we got to kill. So we're putting it on there, but you know, there's, there's, there's times when it's slow and the hunting's tough, but you know, keeping a good attitude is part of it. And that's, uh, that's half the fun of hunting with David because he's, he likes to mess around and laugh and joke. And so we always have fun, even if the, even if the hunt isn't good. Yeah, that's, I think that's important. And it's, it's not always what people see, uh, you know, especially in the non-hunting community that a lot of times they think, Oh, it's all about just, you just go out and kill stuff. And they don't realize how many hours and days and weeks you spend you know, prepping your property or doing your scouting or looking at maps or researching tags just to go out and get an opportunity at, at taking some game. Yeah. Yeah. It definitely takes a lot of work and, and, uh, everything we do is with two people in the stand too. So, you know, that's a, that's another factor and it doesn't always happen. You know, we like it to happen all the time, but it doesn't always happen. So you just got to keep, yeah. keep powering through. Yeah. Now how much with this past year, how much, would did COVID affect your plans and, and trips? You know, it did some, um, especially a little bit later in the year, you know, in the beginning of the year, I wasn't really too worried about it because I didn't, you know, as far as family time, we didn't have a ton going on. Um, but as it got a little later, you know, in November towards Thanksgiving, we had some plans for Thanksgiving. And then at Christmas I had, and we built a new home. And so we had all my whole family was coming and I just kind of had to cancel a couple trips because, you know, the, the, the numbers were growing like crazy and, you know, there was, there was a really good chance of getting sick. And so I didn't want to have to quarantine for two weeks and, and ruin the Christmas for the kids or ruin Thanksgiving for the families. So um, I did kind of take, I did kind of take the end of November and December off just because I didn't want to risk getting sick and I have asthma too. So I'm kind of a little bit at higher risk. And so I was just kind of worried if I got it, maybe it, it would affect me in a negative way. So just kind of, I did, I canceled three or four trips um, in the later part of the year, just 
just to try not to get sick and, and try not to you know ruin Christmas, so to speak. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think a lot of folks were in that boat. I know this is the first time that I can remember in my life, not, you know, being at my parents for Thanksgiving and I don't like it. You know, yeah. that's something I look forward to. And, and, uh, I, I had to do some traveling right before that. So I just, once again, didn't want to risk, you know, getting them sick if, if potentially I, I had, you know, come across it in my travels. And so I, I definitely didn't like that. What, um, you know, coming up this next year, hoping that we get back to the normal where, wherever that's going to land. What are some of the things you've got coming up this next season? Well, um, you know, kind of, kind of most of the typical whitetail stuff, um, probably some, some kind of an early season in, uh, Montana or, uh, Wyoming, if I draw, um, you know, I've got elk tags in all over the place and, and of course all the sheep and goats, and I've got about 12 to 14 points across the board. And most of the, most of the good, uh, areas across the West for all the species. Um, so we'll have to see what, you know, how the draws come out. Um, I may hunt elk in Oregon. A friend of mine's got a place in Oregon that I like to hunt. Um, and I may also, I may, I may also go to Alaska. I've got a place that I hunt up there for moose and, um, I went two years ago up there and I actually shot, um, a really big bull. Um, I haven't officially scored him yet, but, um, some guys from the, um, my taxidermist is in Tennessee and some guys from the Tennessee wildlife federation scored him and they, they measured him at just over 227, which would have put him number nine all time Pope and young, but I still have to have him officially scored. Even if he's top 20, I'll be super tickled, you know, but, but, um, you know, I know some guys who, who know how to do that, Nick. <laughs> <laughs> I know I got to get it. I got to get it done. I wanted to get it in before the, before the period ended this year, but I just didn't get it. I just didn't get it done in time. So. Well, we'll, we'll be here and yeah, I know uh, it was just on the phone this morning. They're, you know, moving full speed ahead with panel. We had to postpone convention till July. Um, and so just working on all the details there and we've got a hundred and some animals coming into panel. It's pretty exciting time to be part of that. Yeah, that, that is a, an exciting thing. And I would, I hope to get something someday that gets, gets scored by panel. I don't, um, I don't believe I have much yet, but I'm, you know, it's a, it's an exciting thing. And just the convention itself with all the heads that are, you know, that are brought in and you get to see all the trophies and it's just a really a cool deal. Now, Nick, yeah. you, uh, We're, you harvested a gorgeous whitetail in my home state of Kansas this year. And we actually posted that on the Pope and Young page. Um, where was that at again? I, I know I was familiar with the place, but I don't remember where it I was. Shot a, I shot a friend of mine owns a place called Hooray Ranch. Yes. He's got a, he's yeah. got a bunch of acres, um, kind of spread out and he's a, he's a duck hunting outfitter. And so he's got all this nice country and he doesn't take any deer hunters. So he lets us deer hunt it. And, um, you know, it was just a, it was just a pretty surreal event. He was, he scored, uh, 209 and seven eights and, uh, you know, again, I haven't had him officially scored, but that's uh, that's what we came up with when I scored him there a couple of days after I shot him. And man, just an amazing, amazing animal, biggest body deer I've ever shot, and definitely biggest horns by about 30, 40 inches. You know, so yeah, he was I a whopper. You, I think you had told me that was your first over two hundred inches, which that is a that's an accomplishment, my friend, for sure. Yeah, no, I'm I feel really lucky. I, uh, a long time coming and you know i never really thought i'd kill a 200 inch whitetail because um you know most of the hunting that we do 
is five days here, five days there kind of a deal, right. you know, filming all these shows. And so you don't have an opportunity to chase a, a specific deer. And when a good one comes by, I usually shoot, you know. So we knew the deer was in the area. Um, our friend Justin, who is kind of in charge of the deer stuff there, he had uh, cameras out and he had been kind of seeing this deer off and on and, and knew he lived in the area. And there was actually three or four deer that were pushing that 200 inch mark on the property this year. So all of us were kind of hunting a big one um, and just lucky, you know, I, I got to see the deer and kind of a kind of a saga the way the whole thing happened on the way into the stand. I lost my rangefinder. Um, the deer comes out, he's at 40 to 50 yards and I didn't have my rangefinder, so I didn't shoot because I didn't know exactly how far he was. So then he comes across in front of me and stops again at that, about that same range, but I didn't shoot and he left and then saw a whole bunch of other big deer. And so then everything kind of quieted down. So I rattled and the deer came out and luckily, you know, he came into top pin range and on his way in, I grabbed my bow and I turned, I went to put my release on my string and um, my arrow was gone. It had fallen. So I had to pluck another arrow out of my quiver, get it ready. It was just kind of a whole fiasco, but I ended up getting him killed. And, you know, it was a, Super exciting, just a monster, huge, huge body deer and just a giant rack. So I was pretty pumped to say the least. That's incredible, man. Yeah, it was awesome. Yeah, it's it's nice when you when you're out there and you see the big ones because so many times you just don't. You you know yeah. they're around, but they don't get big by just stumbling around through the woods. Yeah, you know, and we've all uh, we've all kind of made a pact out there that we're not going to shoot any younger deer, and so. Um, it, had been, it was three years ago since I, I shot my last deer. The last deer I shot there had a 10-inch tine busted off, and he was uh, just under 170, so he was a really big buck too. And so um, I didn't shoot in the last couple of years because I was just kind of holding out for a couple of real big old bucks that we had on the property. And so this year um, we all took really old deer, and it just makes a huge difference, you know, just that jump from being, you know, going from three to four to five and now, you know, we're able to shoot deer that are like six years old. It just, it's a, it's a really a big jump. And, um, you know, when you don't, when you don't put a lot of pressure on them and you have a place that's kind of sanctuary in the middle of all the properties that they can kind of live and unmolested, you know, and they have everything they need. Um, it's just a special place. And I just really lucky to even get the hunt there, you know? Yeah. You know, you bring up a very good point, you know, with the management and not all of us, have the ability to manage for a specific property. But if you look at, you know, the animals and the quality animals and the age class that we're getting all across the country, I mean, kudos for, for the North American model of wildlife management. Cause wow. I mean, we're getting new world record quality animals every year. And it's just, you would think that that's, that's something that just couldn't be sustained that just over and over you just keep getting these big you know record class animals it's pretty impressive yeah and i think a big i think a a big um you know a, a big difference is you know since since uh number one trail cameras and number two like uh, the outdoor channel um and and then people video and people you know 20 some years ago people just didn't have a chance to look at deer so they just kind of went off, you know, how big their rack was or how many points it had. And they didn't really get a chance to, to look at deer. They didn't know about body age and body structure. And so over the years with people being able to, to literally on a daily basis, be able to turn on the TV and look at deer and have, and have, you know, literal deer managers on TV telling you, you know, how old this deer is, how old that deer is, what to look for as, as far as, 
you know, uh, body characteristics to be able to judge age, it's made a huge difference. And then same with trail cameras. So, so say you're a guy that gets to hunt a 150 acre farm where, where before you didn't have trail cameras, you didn't really know what lived out there. And so if a nice one came by, you shot and you were happy. Well, nowadays you can, you can put cameras out, you can take an inventory on your land and you make yourself a list of a few target bucks and you just go for those or nothing. And so you know that these other bucks that you're passing by are going to, you know, get another year older, another two years older. And, and it gives a, you know, a chance to get some older age class deer and, and let them get to their true potential where before, you know, people just didn't have the opportunity to see deer like that. And, and it gives people with small, with small properties, it also gives them a chance to see what they've got. And, uh, you know, it gives you hope to hold out. And then when you see these smaller deer and you let them go by and you let them pa- pass and you don't shoot them, um, it gives you a sense of, of gratification just knowing that, yeah, I probably could have shot that one, um, but I'm doing my part to try, to try to, you know, get a little older age class on these animals and, and maybe get to that next step up. Now, for me, you know, I'm all about I'm all about the hunt, whether you're hunting in Pennsylvania and you're shooting a 100-inch buck or you're hunting in Florida shooting an 80-inch buck or you're hunting in Kansas shooting a 150. Um, you know, it's all what you make it. It's all It's all how you want it to be as a hunter and um, you know, I just, I just really believe that, uh, people make hunting what they want it to be. And you know, if you want to shoot does or spikes or fill the freezer, that's up to you and, and more power to you, however you want to do it. Yeah. I love the, uh, I love when you have a conversation with somebody who doesn't understand, um, deer or their size and like, Oh, it was only an eight point. I'm like, it was a 160 inch eight point. Like, you know what I mean? It was a giant, <laughs> Or they're like, oh my gosh, you killed a 12 point. And I'm like, well, it was only a, you know, 120 inch 12 point. Not impressive. But, uh, you know, they, they only think about that, that number of how many points it is. And I'm like, well, you can have a giant eight point and a small 12, you know. Uh, but that's just, you know, people who don't, who don't constantly study deer and learn about deer, they don't, they don't understand that. You know what I mean? Yep. Yep. For sure. I just, I just want to see this 12 point that you're calling little. That's all. <laughs> Do you, do you have some pictures you're going to share that one, Dylan, of your little 12 point? Yeah, I do. I'll text you a picture. I uh, <laughs> all right. I I actually didn't harvest it, but uh, but we 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 were in camp um a few weeks ago in South Texas, and uh, we were like in our in our cabin, you know, getting getting ready for dinner or whatever. After we just got back from the evening hunt, and somebody ran by. They shot a they shot a 12. They shot a 12. And and they're talking about how how awesome this twelve point is. Now we're all Midwestern guys, and so this would was our was South Texas, and we go out, go out there, and this this twelve point was was probably one hundred and fifteen inch twelve point. We're just like, oh wow! I mean, the shortest tines you've ever seen in your entire life. But it, it was really a cool looking deer because it had so many short tines. I mean, it, it was a cool looking deer, but yeah, it was probably only 100, 115 inch twelve point. Yeah, that's. It, it's neat to see all the different layouts of of all the different species. I know a good buddy of mine years ago shot a 30-inch, well, it was 29 and 5-8-inch wide blacktail buck. And this is a guy that I know shoots big blacktails. He targets them, he goes after them, and, and he's got a whole core of group of people that that's kind of what they do. And anybody else is a 30-inch blacktail, and I'm like, mm, yeah, maybe not. But uh, this particular one, I saw it, but same type of thing. Really wide, not a lot of time length, but just still you have to appreciate that uh, the uniqueness and, and how great it is to see the different types of antler layouts. 
Absolutely, man. Absolutely. You ne- you mentioned earlier you're going to be maybe doing some elk hunting in Oregon. Have you hunted Oregon before? I have. I've I've hunted there a few times. A buddy of mine has a ranch in Central Oregon, and um, it's a it's just a really a neat place. You know, it's a game rich environment. There's a lot of elk in that country. A lot of private land. So, um, you know, these elk they really thrive there. And then on his place, you know, he's got a lot of water and tanks, and um, he doesn't run any cattle. And so he just has a, just a beautiful place. And it's a really exciting place to hunt because you're always seeing them. Um, they bugle a lot and there's a lot of activity. And so um, it's a, it's a really a great place. I, I just, I love it. I, I don't get to go every year because he's got a lot of friends that like to hunt too. So I get like once every three years, but I'm looking forward to it this year. You bet. Man, I'll bet if I had a place like that, I'd have a lot of friends that want to hunt with me, too. <laughs> That's right, man. No kidding. I tell him he needs to get rid of some of his friends, but he, he won't listen. Yeah, no, that's – well, what a, how, what a neat opportunity that he, he shares it with his friends, too. Oh, yeah. It's uh, – you know, I've had some buddies, and, and, you know, we used to hunt together all the time, and all of a sudden they guide, and, and we don't get to hunt together anymore because that's that's – their time to go make money and, and put food on the table for the rest of the year. And it's a lot of fun, but there's, there's challenges that come with it. So, you know, I had a place, yeah. I had a place growing up. It was a private Lake, uh, near my hometown that was phenomenal for duck hunting. And, uh, only a few lucky people had access to this Lake. Uh, well, I had access to it through a grandpa's buddy, um, or, or through a friend's grandpa's buddy. Like it was just a kind of a weird connection. And I noticed, I'm like, man, I get a lot more friends around duck hunting season than I do outside of duck hunting season. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I'm kind of the same way, you know, about midsummer, all of a sudden my phone starts ringing on people I haven't heard from in, in nine months. Yep. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah hey, yeah. Are you going to Canada? You got your boats ready? How, how's, how's the season looking? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Nick, how did you uh, how did you get this this um, a passion for 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 bow hunting specifically so deep that you can make a living out of it? Oh man, I just have always been interested in animals, and and um, you know when I was a kid, I wanted to be a, a veterinarian, but I you know the further I went in high school, I figured out that I wasn't any good at math. So rather than um, you know fix animals i figured i'd chase them and shoot them because i always just love to get my hands on them and when i was a kid my grandpa had a farm he'd always take me down to his farm and and uh we would we would he would park his truck and um i would get to 22 and he would sit in the truck and read a book and i would just walk the creek and i would shoot frogs and turtles and birds and just about anything that ran swam or flew from me and um that's kind of how you know my hunting career got started is hunting that small game and then um, as I got into my early teen years, I bought a bow and started shooting quite a bit. And uh, it took me several years to kill my first deer, but I finally got my first deer. And, you know, it was just uh, a pride factor that came with it. And so as my hunting career uh, went on, you know, I started to shoot some pretty nice animals. And although I do hunt, you know, with a rifle and a muzzleloader now still, um, you know, I, I really am a passionate bow hunter and, and I feel like, uh, since I since I am a fairly good bow hunter, I feel like you know with a rifle I can shoot just about any animal I get my eyes on. So um, it's made me just a completely different hunter, a good hunter, and and uh, there's just a 
huge pride factor in bringing something down with an arrow, man. It's, uh, yeah. it's hard to explain. Absolutely. Uh, no, I, I 100% agree with you. It's a whole different feeling when you harvest an animal with a bow. A hundred percent different feeling. Now, I, I like to study my equipment. I, I put a lot of time into tuning my bows, a lot of time into, um, you know, different arrow vein configurations on my arrows and, and what flies better. And so, therefore, I watch a lot of videos. Is T-Bone as knowledgeable on bows as he comes off as he is? Oh, yeah. No, T-Bone's, he's, he's unbelievable. And I love and watching wanna... his stuff, man. I love it. Yeah. Yeah, he's good. He used to own a shop. And then, you know, once we got busy with the TV stuff, he, he, he got out of the, he got out of the retail business. Um, but he still keeps up on all the newest bows, um, tuning and, you know, building. And he does a lot of, he builds a lot of bows for, you know, some of our friends that are on TV shows and, and in, you know, professional sports. Um, but he always dials my bows in for me. He gets me he gets me where I want to be. He's, he's an expert and uh, I, I can set up a bow, but he's, he's the man and he gets some, he gets some tweaks. So they're shooting, you know, like a well-oiled machine. So he is definitely the man, no doubt. Yeah. I wish I had a guy. I wish I had a guy that could, could constantly uh, make my bows shoot as well as I wish they would shoot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's something, man. It's fun. You know, I, um, I shoot quite a bit and, Probably about, I'd say about five years ago, I just kind of turned the corner. I was, I was a decent shot before, you know, and I shot a lot of stuff, but, um, shooting that long range, you know, I just didn't have the confidence in shooting, you know, like those 60, 70 yard shots. So I really started practicing at long range a lot more and all of a sudden it just kind of, you know, it was just kind of almost like a switch went off where. I gained a ton of confidence and now, you know, I just feel like maybe with the exception of whitetails, um, you know, if I can get a shot at something 60, 70 yards, you know, I'm definitely going to get an arrow into it. If I can get a clear shot, you know, if the animal is, is at ease and not spooked. So, but I think, you know, just spending time shooting, um, you know, in practice, challenging yourself to shoot at distance, um, it really makes your, your close up shots a lot easier and, and prepares you for, um, some of those, some of those shots that might not be as easy and, you know, just doing things like shooting around trees and you get in some trees and find a gap, you know, to make the shot. And, and, uh, I think one of the most important things in shooting is, is putting yourself in, in the mental situation to make the shot and, and to make it work. And so, you know, getting in those situations where you're shooting through holes and brush or around a tree, or, you know, you've got a, you've got a, a fence that you got to, you know, make sure your trajectory is going to get over that fence doing different things like that really gives you a lot of confidence and, and increases your increases your ability to make shots under pressure and so i think that's a really a, a key component to being a, a successful archer is visualizing your success and then putting yourself into into position um, to make that shot under adversity do you have a pretty good place to practice at home or do you have to travel to do some of your shooting no i've got a i've got I've got an acre here that I live on and we've got plenty of room to shoot. So I, I stretch it out pretty good here. I, I, um, and then I just try different things, you know, like I'll, like I said, I'll shoot down a hill over, over rise where I can barely see the target, but I know my arrow is going to, you know, make the rise and get over there. Or, um, you know, just do different things to challenge myself 
So when you're in the woods, you know, say you got a bowl standing between two trees, you know, you can thread the needle and get it in there, you know. So I think that's pretty important. Absolutely. And uh, do, do you use a fixed pin or an adjustable pin site? What do you use for, for when you stretch it out like that? I use a four pin adjustable. So my top four pins are, um, and, and with my new bow, um, I've got the all new Hoyt, Hoyt Ventum. And uh, to be honest with you, I could probably use my top pin, my top pin out to about thir- almost 35 yards, but I don't. So I've got 20, 30, 40, 50. And then my 50 yard pin becomes my floater. So, um, you know, typically, and why I like this is I tried a single pin one year and it didn't cost me any animals, but just, um, so say the animals at 40 yards, you range him. And then all of a sudden, for some reason, he comes trotting into 25. Well, now you got to range him again, put your range finder down, dial your sight down, put your release on. It just takes a couple extra seconds, which can sometimes cost you. And if it doesn't cost you, it, puts undue stress on you and gets your heart beating harder um, and maybe rushes you a little bit. So what I like, what I like now is that four pin adjustable where if an animal's typically, you know, um, 20, 30, 40, 50, you can range, pull up and shoot. Typically if they're past 50, you usually have a little more time. So it's a little more relaxed. You can range, you can dial in and get settled in a little bit more where with a single pin, you know, those close, those close shots, 50 yards and under, um, a lot of stuff can happen fast. And so I just like the ability to have four set pins and then, and then the floater, you know, the, the movable. It's worked great for me. Yeah. It's, there's so many different trains of thought on that, and everybody you talk to has their own theory. So I'm always interested to hear how, what works for other folks that you know are successful. Yeah, and I've, and I've asked a lot of guys over the years, too, that just shoot a single pin. You know, I say so. So what if you range him at 30 and he comes running into 20? Well, and they say, well, I'll just hold a little bit low, you know, but I don't, I don't necessarily like that myself. I know I want to know the exact range. So I know exactly where to put my pins, you know, and um, man, that range finder is just so important. And, and uh, you know, I'm pretty good at judging distance. I, I would say on most things out to 80 yards, I can come within two or three yards most times, but there's just something to be said for hitting with that range finder, knowing the exact range, you know, then there's no excuses. And if, and if, if you miss or whatever, then it's, you know, that's on me. It's no guesswork. You know what I mean? Yes. Yeah. See, now when I started bow hunting, they didn't have range finders. So yeah, that, me that either. takes it back a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> it, what, a tool, it was, uh, what a tool. Uh, I'll tell you what. Yeah. It was pretty nice. It's like, ah, it feels about like that far. Yep. So, yeah, I am a uh, I'm a multi pin slider as well, uh, for many for many of the reasons you just said. Um, like you said, I have shot a single pin before. I committed to do it for one season, and uh, you know it never messed me up either. And I I actually found to found myself enjoying it. But um, I always just go back to that three pin slider um, for those exact reasons you you just said. But uh, Nick, we always ask our guests. What's one thing that you take with you um, that's kind of a unique, non-traditional item that you just can't live without? Yeah, geez, that is a that's a really tough one. Um, over the years, you know, I've kind of I've kind of whittled down my my um, you know like what I take to the tree stand. Um, you know, as as far as that goes, I I, I can't really say for sure. Um, I definitely uh, I definitely rely on that rangefinder. You know, that's probably that's probably the 
my number one tool that I rely on the, the most. It's pretty traditional though. Um, you know, a, another another good product that a guy should should have in any situation is uh, it's called an easy hanger, and it's a hanger. It's made by Realtree. You can screw it into the tree and hang your bow on it. So whether you're, you know, whether you're hunting the um, whitetails from a stand, or if you're hunting elk, um, you know, at a water hole, or even, you know, a lot of times when we sneak into an area to do a setup to try to call, I'll take my little easy hanger and pull it out of my pack and, and screw it into the tree, and then I can have my bow hanging on the tree. Um, kind of lessens fatigue, and it has it right there where you don't really have to move. You can just grab it off the off the hanger and just draw. So that's a pretty that's a pretty kind of a unorthodox tool that I take on some of those elk hunts where I can just I know I'm going to be standing in a spot for a little bit. I can screw it into the tree real fast and then hang my bow on the tree. So I guess that'd be, you know, the easy hanger is a pretty good tool for me. Now, how many of those do you leave in trees as, as you have to adjust during the hunt? That don't <laughs> well, make there's, it home? there's some out there. There's definitely some out yeah. there. But typically, <laughs> typically um, you can take it out pretty fast. I just throw it in my pocket and go, you know. You need to start autographing those no matter what. And that way, if you leave it, the next yeah. guy strolling through is going to be like, holy crap, this was hung here by, by Bone Collector. And they're going to take yeah. it and remember yeah. that for the rest of their life. Yeah, yeah that's a good idea. And then, it's a really nice tool, though. And then I almost guarantee you they'll post a picture of it and tag you in it and say, hey, thanks for the bow hanger. And then you can message them and say, yeah, I didn't mean to leave that. Give it back. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> See, I could sign something with, with my signature. I'm kind of the only one that can read it anyway, so it wouldn't make much difference. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of how mine is too. Well, Nick, man, I appreciate you coming on. I, uh, you know, I am a, a big Bone Collector fan, and so I appreciate what you guys do. I appreciate the way you guys carry yourselves. Thank you for your support of the Pope and Young Club. And, uh, man, I hope to catch you in Reno this year so we can uh, shoot bows and hang out a little bit. Yeah, I'm definitely going to try to make it this year. I, I went for the first time, um, the last time it was in Omaha, um, and it was just a blast. My buddy, my buddy Clayton Miller's world record ram was, was uh, got the award, and uh, so I was there for that. And it was just cool to, to meet new people and, and uh, see all the great animals and be able to celebrate the animals. So that's what it's about for me. It's all about animals, and I like that's what I like about the Pope and Young, Young Club is it uh, celebrates the animals, so it's, it's really cool. Absolutely. Well, we hope to see you in Reno. It's going to be a great show. We're working hard to, to make it amazing for everybody and, and really hope you can make it. Sounds like you got a yeah. giant moose and, and whitetail. You got to get entered in the books anyways. Yeah, I do. I, know. I do. I've got a bunch of them actually. I just got to get them. I just got to get somebody over here and get them entered. Well, we, we know some people, so we, <laughs> we can make that happen for you. <laughs> well, that's good. I need it. Hey, Nick, thank you so much for joining us today. We sure appreciate your time, and uh, and uh, good luck this fall out there. Thanks, guys. I really appreciate it. And you can, you can uh, let everybody know, too, if they want to follow me on Instagram. It's at Nick Munt on Instagram and Twitter, my Nick Munt Facebook page. And uh, if anybody's interested in going on any hunting trips anywhere around the planet, um, you can email me, nick at nickmunt.com. I've got a new uh, – booking agency that I've, that I've just got going. I, I got a new website coming soon. Um, it's going to be called Adventure Agency. So uh, check it out and uh, be sure to follow me on my socials. We have a good time and uh, we don't take ourselves too seriously. <laughs> All right. We'll check it out, Nick. Thanks so much. I appreciate you guys. Thank you so much. Yep.